0: Thank you, worship team. Uh, That was wonderful today, really. Uh, I I was thinking uh, that it has been over 40 years ago, five days before Christmas, that Juliet and I arrived in this uh, country from the lush tropical greenery of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Uh, It is weird, but uh, at this time of year, we we all used to sing under the waving coconut trees let it snow, let it snow, (laughs) let it snow. What were we thinking? Of course it would have been a remarkable miracle. Anyway, um, it is good to be able to share with you what God has laid on my heart today. Let us pray. God in heaven, thank you for your son. Thank you for Christmas and the promise of hope that it brings. As we listen to the story of Joseph, Lord, give us fresh ears. May the wonder of Emmanuel pierce our hearts with your glorious light. May the Holy Spirit himself fill this place. May he raise every hope, shake every heart, banish every fear, quench every thirst, heal every anxiety and sickness. May he bring light to every dark soul and oppressed mind. May the words that I speak be your words, not mine. And in so doing, endow them with the energy and power of the Holy Spirit. Shield us from all distractions, and may your Holy Spirit envelop and fill this place with your glory and presence. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Our series uh, this year is about hope. hope that looks forward to the future, but also has a direct impact on our lives here and now. Kevin started us off a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, with the genealogy of Jesus and showed how the promises made to Abraham and David uh, that were realized in the birth of Jesus provide a foundation of hope that can transform our lives. Last week Elizabeth uh, showed us how Mary's life decision and actions were rooted in a confident hope in the promises of the God who called her to an unimaginable life. This week we're looking at how Joseph's life was impacted by God's surprising call and how it brought him to embracing uh, the hope in God's redemptive promises. And we will be challenged with the question, and I want you to think about it. We'll be challenged with the question, what is the hope that shapes your life? How does it affect your plans, your relationships, and how you live your life? Think about that. I believe with all my heart that how we handle life, how we deal with crises, how we respond to both good times and adversity is a product of what we base our hope on. If your hope is for wealth, it affects you. Whatever the foundational hope of your life is, health, career, marriage, love, security, revenge, justice, it affects who you are here and now. And it's a strange thing about hope. If you don't have hope, you die. This has been demonstrated over and over again in prison camps and other places in the world. Where you don't have hope, you die. It was hope in the promises of God that made all the difference in Mary's life. It made all the difference in Joseph's life. It changed his present as well as his future. And as we listen to the story of Joseph, we will hear it as a call to us, a call and a challenge to embrace a hope that is beyond every other hope a hope that effectively involves us with God in his magnificent, challenging, and sometimes scary task of bringing transformation to ourselves and to the world. It demands and expects commitment, courage, dedication, and openness to God's voice. And above all, it requires courage. Do you know how much courage it took for Mary to say yes to God's call? A girl certainly not much more than 15 years of age. What does she know about the awesome responsibility that God is laying on her what training has she had and what about her reputation where does the courage come from that made her put her reputation on the line her reputation in the community and implicating her own family and how about Joseph we heard his story in the passage that the worship team read to us this is the story that we are looking at today it starts with Matthew's straightforward unemotional matter-of-fact account in a tone that belies the gravity and the shock of that account. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Imagine the shock to Joseph. I think it is safe to say that there he was, minding his own business, looking forward to a nice, safe, secure future with a loving, faithful wife, making his mark on the community. A respectable, hard-working man. As Matthew tells us, a man faithful to the law. And then, the bombshell. The girl he was going to marry, the one on whom he had placed his hopes for a family, pregnant, and he not the father. Imagine for a moment the confusion, the hurt, the bitterness, The disappointment. All his carefully laid plans for the future out of the window. What do you do with news like that? Blindsided, unprepared, in a culture where something like that has enormous consequences. How do you Recover and regroup from such a shock. How did Joseph get the news? Did Mary, filled with trepidation, bring the news herself? Or did some deeply embarrassed member of her family, father or mother, convey the news themselves? How do you break news like that? And what's her excuse? Something about the Holy Spirit bringing about this miraculous event. Maybe something as well about her elderly barren cousin, Elizabeth, being miraculously pregnant as well. A pregnancy also foretold by an angel. To kind of make it more credible, perhaps. How could anyone believe a story like that? Would you believe it? That was a pill Joseph was not going to swallow. Deeply disturbed, hurt, and filled with disappointment we can imagine him Restlessly on his bed, unable to sleep and finding himself facing a momentous decision, a momentous choice. As a man faithful to the law, he can choose to haul Mary in front of the community of elders, subjecting her to humiliation and disgrace of a public divorce. In Jewish culture, engagements could be ended only in divorce or death. Death of one of the partners. Both law and custom required a man to divorce an unfaithful wife or fiancé. In the circumstances, that was the thing to do perhaps. Such an action would preserve Joseph's reputation and speak to his innocence, perhaps. <clears throat> but amazingly, in spite of the hurt and deep disappointment, Joseph considers instead a private divorce. It speaks something to the character of the man. He could give Mary a certificate of divorce in front of two or three witnesses, specifying her freedom to marry someone else. The trouble was that that would immediately implicate him in the guilt of Mary and it is at that moment as he is debating in his heart what to do that God through his angel speaks to Joseph in a dream and what he asks Joseph to do is stunning something that would immerse him even deeper into the mess of Mary's apparent guilt. <clears throat> it is a call to marry Mary. It is a call for him to give up all his, his plans that he had for the future. God knows something about Joseph that Joseph doesn't know about himself although we can see it in that hint that we had of him wanting to save Mary's reputation. But God also knows how fear can get in the way of hope. I'm always astonished at how encounters with God so often start with these words. Do not be afraid. And God, through his angel, says to Joseph, I know what's going on in your heart. do, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. What did the angel say to Mary as the angel met Mary? Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And to the terrified shepherds, do not be afraid. And to Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, do not be afraid. It is a refrain that is repeated over and over in the Old Testament as well. To Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and so many more. Do not be afraid. I love this. When we encounter God in all his awesome, fearful, magnificence, the first thing he says to us is, do not be afraid. His plan for our lives is absolutely amazing. Do not be afraid. And suddenly everything makes sense to Joseph. He believes. And in believing, he finds new hope. He finds Emmanuel. This is real hope. Not fragile like the other kinds of hopes, which are at best tenuous and doomed to perish, but a hope that endures. Because it is based on the word and promises of God. Joseph understands. Mary has not been unfaithful to him. Mary has been faithful to God. It was in that moment that Joseph responded in his heart the way that Mary herself responded in words. the call of God I am the Lord's servant I am the Lord's servant not knowing what the future would hold for him he gave up his plans and risked all his reputation his previous expectations for the future, and it, and he did it because he now had and understood what it meant to have a marvelous, liberating hope—hope hope grounded in the God of his great, 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 great grandfather David, in the promise of Isaiah and the prophets. God was on the move. And Joseph would be on the move with him. Hope given flesh in the son to whom he, ordinary Joseph, would be a surrogate father. The son who is Emmanuel, God with us. And Joseph let go of fear let go of his plans, let go of his future, and chose a future with God. All that matters was was that his life was in the hands of the one that he could trust absolutely. So let me ask you a question. Are you afraid to let go of your plans you might or might not be you might be a Christian and following God but fearful of letting go of some things. we have a tenuous trust in God can I really trust him to choose the right spouse for me Can I trust him with this decision? You see, God sometimes calls us to do, calls us to something we would not have chosen, something that goes against our plans. And we are afraid to let go and trust God completely. But God says to us, do not be afraid because when God calls us he knows that what he calls us to is something beautiful something better than any of our plans could have bought us hear this Jeremiah 29 and 11 for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans To prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. But the truth is that no matter how well we plan, loss, pain, sickness, shipwrecked relationships, other bad things are inevitable. Rich people go bankrupt. Healthy people get sick. Grief and loss happen, as so many have experienced even at this season. Because our plans, when they are not God's, are ephemeral, based on shaky foundations. On the other hand, when God calls us and we yield our plans to Him, our present is transformed. The future is the best future that we can have no matter the challenges no matter the obstacles that we face and we will face these obstacles and challenges nevertheless it will still be the best possible future and one that will ultimately lead us to our greatest joy For hear this, when you continuously open yourself to hope, to God's transforming power through the Holy Spirit, your heart gets bigger, your courage grows stronger, and you become an agent of transformation in the lives of others. And you will know what true joy is. For there will be times when deep in the most difficult circumstances you will find to your utter surprise that it is possible to experience deep, deep down in yourself joy. I wonder how much I have missed out in life those times when I Held to things I should not have held on to. Out of fear and a hesitation to fully trust God with my life, with my plans. So much of what we do is based on fear. Fear kills hope. You are in the Titanic. The boat is going down, the waves are fearsome, every thought becomes captive to fear. You can't think straight. And then, over the horizon, a ship appears, a rescue ship, and all of a sudden, hope replaces fear. And you can think of a real future. So I ask again, are you afraid? You know what is even better than a rescue ship on the horizon? With Jesus, the Jesus of the manger and Christmas, and the Jesus of the cross, when you put your hope in him, God is in the boat with you. That's the message of Christmas. That's the message of Emmanuel. God with us. Hold on to that. Mary and Joseph did. Did that mean an easy life for them? No. Subject to gossip and innuendo? And how about a nice, comfortable palace for the birth of the baby? After all, he is the son of God. Instead, a smelly manger. How about an army of angels to protect protect them against Herod? No. Running for their lives to Egypt. Under the protection of God obviously but running for their lives to Egypt no special privileges how about fame and fortune and political status as the parents of the one whose kingdom will know no end no he dies an ignominious death on a wooden gibbet on a cross But. In so doing, he saves his people from their sins. You see, God does not call us to an easy life. He calls us to a life of boldness and courage and power in Jesus Christ. He does not call us out of the messiness of what it means to be human. Instead, he joins us in that messiness. For it is in that messiness that we begin to understand what it means to be sons and daughters of the living God. It is in the messiness that we are shaped into pure gold. It is in the messiness that we begin to understand and know what our true identity is. The true meaning of our lives. It is in the messiness of our lives fully submitted to God that we can impact the lives of others in their messiness. God calls us to join giants. Many of those giants are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Abel, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Gideon, Samuel, David, Rahab, and so many more. Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of Egypt for a season. Choices that we have to make. And we are all faced with these choices. Are we going to trust God completely? Are we going to give ourselves completely over to his plans, and so find the true joy of what it means to be what God intended us to be? You see, Peter expressed it in these words in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light and so I end with the questions that we started with, and the question of this entire series. And as we look at the questions, I want you to quietly think about what it means for you. What is the hope that informs your life? What is the hope that you live by today? How does that hope impact your life today? And how does it impact the lives of those you come in contact with daily? What? is your hope. As you continue to reflect on these questions, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and the ushers to come forward as we prepare for communion. As we've been talking about hope, I think there is no better place, perhaps, to express and find this hope than at the table in communion because the table reminds us that our hope is a living hope that was given in the incarnation It was a hope that was given flesh in the incarnation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. It reminds us that Emmanuel, God with us, was never so much with us as when he hung on a cross. First Peter 1 and 3 expresses this beautifully. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are in utter amazement and awe at your love. We thank you for the living hope that you purchased for us in your death on the cross. We are astonished that you would call us to join in your work in this world here and now, even as we are looking forward to the consummation of your kingdom. As we take these emblems, Lord, reminding us of your great love to us, may your love and the hope that it brings transform and continue to transform our lives this Christmas. We give you thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.